Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Drunken PM Radio. I would like to thank projectmanagement.com once again for being a sponsor. And I'm super excited because today is somebody who's had a massive impact on me. I, I am fortunate in that I get to be able to do these podcasts. I've done them for a long time and I get to talk to tons of interesting people. And sometimes there's, there's people that, that have as significant an impact on me as, as Christopher Avery has. So we talked, I think, for like 20 minutes at the Agile Conference and it changed my life and the way I look at everything. And then going through your book had a big impact. So thank you for taking time out of your afternoon. Oh, thank you for having me. My pleasure. So how do you describe yourself and what you do to folks if they're not familiar with your work? Yeah. Well, I've, I've sort of uh, I've earned a, a tagline or a moniker of the responsibility process guy. Okay. So my, my work for um, almost three decades now, two, two, 25 years, has been uh, first focused on shared responsibility. In other words, how do we get over silo ship and titles and roles and offices and bureaucracy in organizations to actually uh, feel a sense of, of joint ownership for something. So every time a team has really come together and gelled, there's been an organic shift in people's emotions and minds where they feel an ownership for the, the project, the initiative, and they feel an ownership for their relationships with each other's. Um, and, uh, and so to do that, we actually have to overcome a lot of structure that the organizations put in place. So I had this huge interest in, in what is shared responsibility? Where does it come from? Uh, if it's not there automatically, you know, um, society taught me that some people have responsibility and some people don't. And if you want something done, you, you've got to ask the people that have it. Uh, it so it's you. a character trait. And, okay. uh, and so I, I started studying personal and shared responsibility so that I could help software project leaders and others uh, learn um, team building skills. And we had a lot of success with that and knocked it out of the park in terms of uh, uh, training workshops and turned into my first book called Teamwork is an Individual Skill, Getting Your Work Done When Sharing Responsibility. And, and, and then, Dave, I simply decided, well, along that journey, I learned about um, a relatively young research project, which most people in the world still don't know about, uh, that was teasing out a pattern in our minds about all how all human beings process thoughts about taking or avoiding responsibility. And that pattern we now call the responsibility process. And around 2005 or six, I really dedicated my, my life and career and work to trying to make that work uh, better known. And, uh, and I've always applied it in the work of building better, more effective leaders, uh, and organizational cultures and systems and teams. Okay. So I'm the responsibility process guy. So I, I want to give a word of caution to the people that are listening, because if, if you decide to check this stuff out, it completely steals your ability to be a victim in any way, which to me <laughs> was amazing. But still, sometimes I'm like, damn, I wish I could just blame this on everybody else and just, you know, feel like it was not me. Um, how, how would you describe the responsibility process to somebody who, who was totally unfamiliar with it? Right. So I'll be I'll be brief and then also let you know that um, as a member of projectmanagement.com, there is a 
an entire hour-long webinar just on that uh, that you have access to. And, and Dave, I know you'll share the URL. Yeah, I will. So briefly, uh, visualize a stack of words, seven words. Uh, you're going to start at the bottom and build this stack. Uh, maybe it's six words. <laughs> I might have missed. It's that. six. I'm looking at them right now. Six, and then the one that sticks off to the side. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to. Um, yeah, so start at the bottom with denial, and then above that, lay blame. So if you have a little scrap paper or something, jot this down or or jot it in your your mental vision. Uh, above lay blame is uh, justify. Above justify is shame. Above shame is obligation. And then draw a line above obligation and above the line put responsibility. And then out to the side next to shame and obligation to the right, the word quit. These are mental states or, or um, positions of mind that, uh, that affect all of us. And the process gets triggered, or the pattern, if you want to think of it as a pattern in your mind, gets triggered every time something goes wrong, whether it's tripping over a crack in the sidewalk, spilling coffee down the front of you, uh, making a Freudian slip in front of other people, you know, or, or a big thing, like logging into your retirement account and, and finding out your identity has been stolen. And essentially what happens is we start at the bottom. Um, and uh, we can get stuck in any mental state for a short time or a long time, but we actually have to transcend from denial to blame to justify to shame to obligation before we can get to the point where we see that this is really ours to own and do something about. And each of these mental states has their own logic and their descriptions. So we're pr pretty familiar with blame in that. Uh, you know, we point to somebody else as being the cause uh, of whatever effect we're experiencing. So you can look at this, Dave, as perceptions of cause and effect. Okay. And each mental state has a slightly different perception of cause and effect. In, in justify, the difference from blame is that in justify, we make up incredible stories um, of excuses and, and reasons, uh, why we can't have what we want. So very simple justifies are the weather, the traffic, the economy, the culture around here, the management. Um, but you know, when you, when you ask people who have a woe is me story about their life, you know, their stories can be quite complex. And you would think that smart people like, like you and me <laughs> would get Don't want me in that category. These, <laughs> well, you'd think that smart people, leaders and, and others would, would be more wise than, than this blame and justify. And what our research shows is actually the smarter we are, the better stories we make up so, can, for, for, our, for our shortcomings or for not having what we want. Can yeah, I ask you ahead. a question about this one just, to, just as an example? So there's certain areas of my life where I think I've definitely moved past justifying. Like I encounter lots of people in classes who they're stuck in their job and like they won't let me do this and they won't let me do that. I'm like, well, you don't have to live that life. You can go work somewhere else. But there's plenty of areas in my own life where I'm still justifying certain behaviors or bad habits or whatever. Um, you're going to go up and down or hopefully up this these stages 
different ways for different things in your life, right? It's not like everything all at once. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Another way to look at it is that this model is a really simple two-dimensional model of a you know, multi-dimensional complex life and brain and okay. mind. Okay. Thank yeah. you. Sorry for interrupting. So the idea here is that we're isolating any one little incident for which we have some angst, some anxiety. And when we have anxiety, the mind starts a hyperactive search for cause and effect. And the stages of blame justify shame, which is laying blame on self, beating ourselves up for getting into this problem, or obligation, feeling like we're burdened, we're stuck, we're trapped, there's nothing we can do. Um, all of those mental states are coping states, which means, you know, we try to cope uh, with the problem, but we never solve it. And we only solve it by growing from obligation to responsibility and realizing that we have the, res have the ability to respond to anything. And so that the essence of the message is that we are always creating, choosing and attracting our experience of our life. And that means we're very powerful and able to do that. Uh, but we're just not always owning it. We, it's easy to own the good things and the accomplishments. And yet we try to cast off uh, the things that we don't like and point out there and say the problems are all out there. Out there has to change for me to be happy. And what the responsibility process teaches us when we develop a practice around us is it teaches us that if we take ownership of the junk uh, and realize that we're creating, choosing, and attracting the stuff we don't like, then we can start to uh, make changes and grow to overcome it. So it's a fabulous self-leadership tool and an amazing change tool. Okay. When you say that we create and attract, like you, you mentioned something on the call. Uh, for the people listening, I was very fortunate in that Christopher let me join in on a call about something we're going to talk about in a moment. But on the call today, you said, I'm not sure what I did to, because I wrote it down. I'm not sure why I decided to create, choose, or attract a sinus infection. Um, <laughs> right. Which you probably meant in a lighthearted way. But I mean, there's there are things that would happen. You know, there was that accident on Southwest Airlines the other day. There's terrible, tragic things that happen that people don't actually attract those things. They just happen. But I, at least I'm I'm guessing it would be more about my response to those tragic things, right? In the beginning, it's about realizing realizing that you may not uh, you may not feel a sense of ownership about what happens to you. Okay, but you do own your response. Your response. So two yeah two important things here. The the if you read uh, the the history and, and there's a chapter in my book, The Responsibility Process, about the history of personal responsibility going all the way back to Homer's Odyssey. Um, and uh, if you read about that, the, the pithy quotes about responsibility are always about um, things going wrong. So the pithy quotes are things like, it doesn't matter what happens to you, what matters is how you respond. Right. And if you take your meaning in life from what's, you know, from your station in life or from what's happening to you, then you'll always be at the whim of your environment. But if you take your meaning in life from how you respond to the hand that you're dealt or to what's given to you, then you're in charge of the meaning. 
So there's this idea of okay. the ability to respond. And uh, a more current saying would be, uh, which I think comes from uh, Stephen Covey, but with a hat tip to Viktor Frankl uh, and his book, Man's Search for Meaning. It says, in between stimulus and response, and I've got my hands, my, my hands up in front of me, so showing a gap. In between stimulus, one hand, and response, the other hand, there is a space. And in that space is choice. Oh, wow. And, okay. And, it, and in that choice is freedom. Okay. So, so, you know, smart people have always looked at responsibility as simply your ability to make choices and your ability to make a pause between stimulus and response. And if you start checking your reactions and deciding whether or not you like those reactions, you can start reconditioning or reprogramming yourself and you can start making different choices. And what the responsibility process adds to that is it adds to us this to it, this understanding of how this pattern or progression of mental states works in our minds. Um, so could I try to summarize that and see if, if, if what I'm th- the way I think of it in my head resonates with you, if you would sure matches up. So Please. to me, these these different stages are steps that I go through. And and in the beginning, you know, the first time I went through your book, it was harder. And the, the longer I go through it, the faster it goes. But I don't know if I get. I know I don't get all the way to the top yet. But um, acknowledging different states, like oh, this thing I'm. Bl- I realize now I'm blaming everyone. Like I catch that. Mm-hmm. And then I catch it when I'm justifying stuff. And I catch it when I'm in shame or when I'm in obligation. The, the thing that happens to me now, and maybe this is a good way to segue into the classes that you're running. Um, sorry, the they're not classes. That's all right. But, but I get to a state where I'm like, yep, that I'm in shame. And I'm just going to sit here. <laughs> I'm just going to be good in the shame for a while or whatever. Um you're trying to help people rise all the way up to the top, but are there people that kind of get stuck along the way? We all do. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, the the issue is that, you know, I work for the busiest, um, smartest people in the world and, and organizations. And I work for organizations that have very expensive personnel and want them to be resourceful. Right. So, you know, the attraction to practicing personal responsibility is to, um, is for people who are ambitious and motivated and inspired and smart and who want to produce better results is they realize, Oh man, the more time I spend below the line, you know, the less I'm learning and producing results, the more I'm just coping with crap. Yeah. And thinking that I'm powerless and to get above the line, even 1% more, you know, 5% more or faster, uh, you know, what a difference that makes. So, you know, I, I set out 26 years ago, starting to practice this. And my idea was, what if I could improve 1% a month or even 1% a year? Oh, wow. Okay. You know, how much, how much extra horsepower would that give me as, you know, as a thinker, as a producer, um, 
in in order to get things done. The other half of that is is then actually feeling more joy and fulfillment in owning your life and producing um, the kind of experiences that you want to experience. So, yeah. so for you, I would say, you know, when you identify that you're in shame, uh, if you ha- actually have an intention to spend more time in responsibility, then your psyche will kick you up. It will kick you out of shame up into obligation. Yeah. Your psyche is designed that way. So this is so we're working with an organic system, an organic pattern in our mind. Uh, and if you want to know, you know, how do I get to responsibility? The the answer is refuse to feel burdened, refuse to be trapped okay. in obligation. And so I, I can give you an example here. That would be great. And then uh, I, and then I want to ask you a question about quitting. Okay. Give you an example that I share a lot. It's, it's an example most of us can um, identify with. So we often say to each other, I have to go to this stupid meeting. Um, or I have to go to this meeting and stupid is implied, you know, with our frown as we go. So obligation is the mental state of have to, don't want to. Uh, and we all grew up being told that shame and obligation were actually uh, being responsible. So when you blame yourself, we say, good boy, he's taking responsibility. <laughs> and and when you're doing what you're supposed to do, even if you hate it, that's being called a responsible person too. Right. Following through, right? Uh, commitment. Yeah. Duty, honor, loyalty. Especially if they're suffering. Right. Yeah, especially if they're suffering. That's being called responsible. And I no longer believe it is. It's just coping because you're not using your ability to respond uh, to either fall in love with that uh, or to change it. And your uh, results are very poor in those mental states because your motivation is actually very low. So um, so if I could get you to say, instead of I have to go to this stupid meeting, if I could get you to say, I'm choosing to go to this stupid meeting only because I don't know how to change it and I don't want to have the consequences of refusing to go. Right. Right. So first of all, people might laugh at that. You know, I, I am going to this. But that reframing meeting. is very powerful. And the reason it's powerful is what you're saying is, darn it, I refuse to feel trapped. Yeah. Right. And while I don't want to go, I don't value this meeting and would prefer not to spend my time there. I'm not yet willing to speak up and say, this is a stupid meeting. Can we do something different? And I'm not willing to suffer the consequences of not going. Uh, So I'm going. And I'm choosing to go. And I'm choosing to go. And when you do that, what you're actually doing is leaving the mental state of obligation and your mind is sort of pinging subconsciously that responsibility mindset and say, okay, come on, help me here. And, and a part of your mind starts working on solving that problem for you, which is giving you the courage to speak up or the courage to say, I'm not going or the courage to, you know, change roles so that that meeting is no longer there. But as long as you say, I have to, there's nothing I can do. I have no choice. Then your mind doesn't help you solve the problem. So how, um, I'm going to skip my quitting question for a second. How important is it to have a 
like a partner that you trust who can help you with this. I had a situation, not not unlike what you just described. A week ago, there was an interview I had to do. And it's not that I didn't want to do the interview. There was just other stuff I wanted to do more. So I was talking to my wife. I'm like, yeah, I got to go to this interview. She's like, but you're the one that agreed to it. And I turned around and I said, I know. And I'm going to do this with a joyful heart. Uh, <laughs> sort of like stuck on the right exactly stuck on the fence there but but having somebody who calls me out on that for me is very powerful like I need that sometimes sometimes I just I might not see it as clearly as I need to to be able to kind of click the tripwire and send me over to the next step yeah well there's good question really good question Dave so here's what we've learned uh, about this my my first five, six, seven years of promoting the responsibility process was all about promoting the process itself and um, and then offering you know follow up services to that pe- to people who really wanted to practice and, and master it right and what I learned was that most people who get introduced to it, you know, they get very inspired and, and titillated by the responsibility process. You know, I have w- wonderful receptions when I give conference keynotes and and um, workshops and things. Uh, but my my mind turned towards how do I actually help people practice this um, and develop a practice? And so today, that's most of my most of what I do is is really work on how do we get people to move from being titillated and interesting to interested to actually practice. And we have to understand that that means changing habits of mind and habits of mind that are very, very, very deeply conditioned because society rewards us, believe it or not, for blaming, justifying, shaming, obligation, uh, and quit. And, we are experts at those things. We are really, really good at them. First, they're hardwired into us as ways to cope with crap. And secondly, we've got years and years and years and years of practice uh, at them. So to your point, having a partner where you can help each other identify and break through, because for one thing, these mental states are far easier to see in our in others than they are in yeah. ourselves. About a thousand <laughs> times easier for me to see you operating from blame or justify or shame than to see it in me. Yeah. Um, and for you, it's easier to see it in me than it is in yourself. So, to have a partner, yes. Um, better to have even a community, which is one of the things that I've worked to provide. Is I have a whole community of of people who are supporting each other and changing these. Uh, habits of mind, a, a worldwide community, um, and I'll you know I'll share a story told by uh, one of my young students, uh, Jessica Siroki, who started studying with me at 19. Wow! As a as a college intern, and today at 26, she's a director of software uh, for a company in Indianapolis, um, performing far above her her years uh, due to her practice. But she wrote in a blog. She said. Trying to practice responsibility by yourself is like trying to quit smoking when you live in a house full of smokers. (laughs) That's awesome. Right? Because we're walking around in a society that actually reinforces all of these things. Right. And then if you do quit, you become one of those people who's like, see, uh uh-huh, right? (laughs) So, 
um, yeah, so the last thing I want to say about having someone uh, to call you out is uh, we want to make sure that uh, that's always done with tremendous compassion right? Uh, and not used as a weapon. Right. So a, a lot of people learn about the responsibility process and they, they can't see any need to apply it to themselves, but they <laughs> certainly think everybody around them needs it. So they start using it as a weapon to you know, to bash everybody around them over the head and yeah. call it out. Aha, justify. Exactly. You need to be responsible. Um, so I want to ask you in, in, in a moment about how you're connecting people online, but can I ask you one quick question about quitting? Please. Okay. So when you, when you asked, when we were on the call earlier today, you talked about quitting and I, and I expressed that I wasn't sure if quitting meant I'm going to give up and go back to the bottom of the list or I'm going to give up and go above the line. Um, maintaining that state of angst takes a significant amount of energy. And I was sort of wondering if there's an, another side of the quitting where if I quit hiding from it, I get all that energy back, which is an amazing thing. I mean, is, is, is quitting always going back to the bottom? Not necessarily to the bottom. Okay. Uh, so again, if you if you're envisioning the responsibility process, it's the stack of words, um, denial, labeling, justify, shame, obligation, align, and responsibility, and then quit is off to the right next to shame and obligation. And the issue is that uh, with labeling and justify, uh, we're venting, so we're releasing our our angst. Okay. And what I've learned is that people who start practicing responsibility, we learn to recognize blame and justify in ourselves pretty quickly and get off of those. Okay. So then we land on shame. Well, shame builds up more internal angst. There's lots of pain in shame, right? We're beating ourselves up for having a problem, for causing the problem for ourselves. Yeah. We're laying blame on self. Uh, so we're like a, a pressure cooker. We're, we're like a... Um, yeah we're, we're, yeah, we're building up more and more pressure. And obligation uh, has an awful lot of pain of, of burden. Um, and so if we don't know how to get the lesson and change and get to responsibility and change, then we need an escape from the pain of shame and obligation and Quit is just attempting to mentally disengage from okay. the problem. Like a release it's, valve, sort of. It's, yeah, or it's like a parking lot. Okay. Right. Well, I'm, okay. I'm going to take this, I'm going to try, I'm going to avoid this problem. So some of the big quits in life are, you know, I, I think everybody knows someone who became a lawyer or a, or a doctor or an accountant because their parents told them that they had to study something practical in college and get right. a practical job and becoming a singer or a dancer or an actor or a painter was impractical and you'll never support yourself. Yeah. Right. So, you know, how many people do we know that made that decision at, at 18, 19, 20 to park their, their, their intuitive, their yeah. intuitive genius right? Their intuitive calling and, and intuitive purpose in order to please someone else in their life or take someone else's advice. 
And then they wake up at 35 or 40 or maybe worse, 45 or 50 and realize how miserable they've been for 20 years. Right. So that that's the power of quit on large scale stuff. Okay. Yeah. Small scale stuff is like, you know, going to that stupid meeting and disengaging and playing your own home movies or multitasking. Yeah. Spending it on your phone. Yeah. Telling yourself, you know what, I've trained my whole life to stand in line or sit in my seat, do as I'm told. I can, I can make it through 90 minutes of this meeting. That's going to quit. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Um, so can you explain the leadership gift program? The leadership gift program is, um, is, is for me today, probably the most important thing that I do. Uh, and it's the program that any, anybody in the world can join and be a part of anybody who wants to uh, learn to build a responsibility practice and, and move towards mastering responsibility. So you master your life. Um, and, uh, it's a result of, uh, people starting about 10 years ago to asking me how they could study this great material, uh, that I was using, uh, in corporate clients. So all of my work then was corporate culture change and leadership development work. And, it, you know, I just had a eureka, uh, one day that I could probably, uh, strip out all the cost of delivering this material as expensive corporate uh, leadership development and take the all the core material and figure out a way to deliver it online uh, and make a consumer offer. So the leadership gift program is that consumer offer that anybody in the world can, um, you know, can get access to what used to be uh, well, and still is at a corporate level, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, of expense for okay. a, a tiny percentage uh, of that cost. Um, you want me to go into the parts of the leadership gift program? Yeah, if you could. Yeah, if you, and if you could explain how it works with people that are, if they're doing it on their own, like if they've got schedule conflicts and things like that, how that flows. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So <clears throat> um, there are multiple parts to the leadership gift program. Um, people who have been around it for a while say the most important part is uh, a call that, that we host a couple of times a month. Now it's more because more people are hosting more calls at different times. Um, but it's called Application Mastery. And in Application Mastery, we actually invite you to bring the areas of your life where you know that you're not happy. You know that you're stuck. You know that you're coping. And our job, those of us who are more experienced, are to, number one, uh, make you feel completely supported, uh, so great compassion and understanding that there's nothing wrong with you, you're human, and humans get stuck in these mental states. And then figure out questions to ask that help you break through that to new levels of freedom, choice, and power. Uh, So application mastery is really where the horsepower of the program is, and and that's a web call, um, and I'm happy to say that uh, we have uh, just solved a problem where there were parts of the world that we were not serving due to the timing of our calls originally being optimized for the U.S. and Europe, but we now have uh, some calls that are originating in Europe that 
uh, do a much better job of serving Asia uh, and Australia. And we do have members from all over the world. Um, but before application mastery, we have a set of core modules, uh, eight core modules of about 90 minutes each, which which give you all the the information about the psychological dynamics and the tools and the processes uh, behind the responsibility process uh, for better understanding about the, how this works. And then we also have Q&A calls where you can um, make distinctions and come ask questions. Uh, we have uh, community uh, forums uh, that are very active and people sharing their wins and supporting each other. Uh, and there's just a, a variety of, of things in the Leadership Gift Program. So it, it operates not as a course, because I've learned that I can teach people everything there is to know about the responsibility process and how it works. But if they don't actually start practicing it, then it won't make any difference. And if they're not supported, then it will be very difficult for them to practice it. So the Leadership Gift Program is designed as what I call an e-learning community. And it's designed as a membership system where it costs you very little to join, um, $97 for the first month to check it out uh, and get access to all the material and everything we have to offer. And $97 a month as long as you are getting value and, and want to stay a member. Uh, or we have an annual membership which people say about both is, you know, compared to the thousands of dollars that you would spend to go to a two or three day leadership development class, the, the transportation, the lodging, the meals, the time you invest in traveling, that, um, you know, this is a, a much, much greater, more valuable investment. So um, I'm really happy we found this model and, uh, and it's a growing community and it's spawning regional groups and communities uh, all over the world. So I've been a part of a couple online learning groups in the past. And what I found is that the teacher, whoever was leading it, was a very obviously a very important part of it. But oftentimes it's the other people in the group that kind of make that spark go off for me. I mean, does that, does that happen often or is it most everyone's consuming from, from you and waiting for you to provide wisdom for them? <laughs> Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a mix, but the reason that our community is so successful is because of just what you said. Okay. Um, and in fact, I often ask other people to host calls. I even ask them to fill in for me and host calls that I've committed to because something has come up for me or I'm traveling or something. Um, and I try and, and maintain a, a rhythm of, of calls at expected times. And I always, I always tell the members that there's so much that you can learn from attending a call with someone who's at a different place in their practice yeah. and a different walk uh, of life than mine. Well, yeah. I was even impressed with the way that you held silence during the call. I mean, you would ask for volunteers and then wait. And a lot of people I think would be like, Oh, nobody. Okay, let's go. You're going to do it. And you, you let that sit for a while. You let people take a moment to collect themselves and decide who was going to step up, which was, I think very brave. I mean, that that that's a tough thing as somebody who leads classes. It's hard to have that silence there when people are shy. Uh, 
uh, but I know it works. It does. It's a powerful thing in both directions, but it is, it can be a scary thing. And um, I've been a teacher and I've been a teacher for a long time. So, <laughs> and yeah, so you can know that's how been it a, works. That's been a, a standard tool in the toolbox. So people like people are signing up for this thing. They're going through it. How does it impact somebody professionally? I mean, is it, this isn't like you're going to get certified this and you're going to get a promotion. How does it affect you from a leadership perspective? Well, our belief is that 95% of leadership is self-leadership. Okay. And the, the responsibility process is the most powerful tool that I know and that so many of my students know for self-leadership. You know, if you're, if you're below the line and you're coping, you're not leading. Uh, and yet smart, ambitious people spend tremendous amounts of time below the line. So, yeah. you know, one of the, one of the lessons of the responsibility process is if you're in a, a leadership role, you're a team leader, let's say, and stuff happens in the organization. And if you blame another department or blame the customers or the users or whoever, then you're teaching your charges that, that that's the way yeah. to survive in this organization. If you're justifying you know, you're teaching your followers. If you're beating yourself up, you know, for getting your team into this situation, you're teaching your followers uh, to, to, to beat themselves up. And if you stand and say, I don't know what we're going to do about this right now, but it's our problem uh, and we get to own it uh, and, you know, we all get to pitch in and, and help figure this out then you're teaching your followers that there's a place called the ability to respond. Yeah. And plays very well in the agile space as well. Plays extremely well in the agile space. But, you know, there, there's plenty of gurus who've said that leadership is responsibility and nothing else. Yeah. I think it's, it's challenging in that, um, at least for me, that there's parts where I re sometimes I just really want to be able to shrug my shoulders and be like, Yo, what are you going to do? You know, that's the way it is because it's comfortable. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, it's coping. Yeah, and, and I think what you said about when you're in that state, you're not, you don't have the ability to lead. That's a really powerful thing. Um, right. So I, I believe that, I believe that um, responsibility is leadership and leadership is responsibility. In fact, um, my favorite author about leadership um defines leadership as assuming ownership for a space and if necessary or if called for um marshalling other people marshalling help and and who is the author of that statement uh it's a professor noel tishy uh n-o-e-l last name t-i-c-h-y and noel is a uh, professor maybe a professor emeritus at the University of Michigan, uh, the Ross School of Business at Michigan. And he was the head of leadership development at General Electric under Jack Welch. Oh, wow. Um, and he wrote a book called The Leadership Engine, which was about his experience of how do you design an organization that produces leaders, uh, which GE was, was pretty famous for. Now, yeah. you may agree or disagree with the leadership styles that came out or whether those leaders were successful elsewhere. Um, but uh, it was Noel in his book that defined leadership as assuming or taking 
uh, responsibility or ownership for some space, some problem, opportunity, assignment, yeah. situation, etc. And then, if necessary, um, marshalling marshalling forces to help you. I think the phrasing of that's really powerful, um, isn't it? Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. So, if they want to find out more about you, or they want to sign up for the leadership gift program. If they want to check out the books, what is the best way for them to do that? Sure. I, I would say. Uh, for the Leadership Gift Program, you can check it out at the.leadershipgift.com. Okay. Uh, the.leadershipgift.com. Uh, for the book, it's on uh, my books are on Amazon. The Responsibility Process is the newest book. Teamwork is an Individual Skill is the former book. Um, and you can find out more about me by searching on Christopher Avery and the word responsibility, and we'll fill up a few pages of Google. Okay. And I'll make sure to include links to all this stuff and to Twitter and everything else in there. So thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time out for this. And thank you so much for letting me sit in today. That was a really powerful thing. Uh, I really appreciate what you're doing, Dave. And, and uh, thank you. This is a, a, a valuable use of my time. Thank cool. you. Thank you. <laughs>